Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like build and bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. The thing that's really funny is people keep talking about like real estate and now real estate is the first thing that falls and then we go into recession. It's just not going to happen. I'm not a big real... I don't have a ton of money in real estate. I'm just telling you that right now. I have a fair amount of money in real estate, but it's not my backbone. But it, most of my it, money in real estate and it ain't going down the way people think it's going to no, be going down. We would have to... In 2008, just to remind everybody, we had a excess of inventory with nobody to buy it. We now have inventory continuously going down and down and down. It's squeezing tighter and tighter. It's down more than 50% year over year, I believe, if my guess is correct. And people are buying more of it. And we, the data says it. So I just don't get caught up in the headline news or get caught up in what they say is going to happen. Because if you were betting over the past four days, you'd put all your money on green and then today it's red. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's episode of Money Moves. This is our first live Money Moves. This is our first live. So if you are watching this on YouTube live with us right now, welcome to the show. We appreciate you. You can drop your name or any questions down in the comments below. With that being said, Mattie, your host, as always, my co-host, Miss Dubbreedwell. What's up, y'all? We cover all things stocks, real estate, investing, and personal finance to help you on your march to a million and beyond. We got a lot of data to go through today. We got a lot of data. <laughs> there is a lot of data to go through today. We got inflation. We got rate hike talks, big rate hike talks. Mm-hmm. Mr. Jerome Powell with uh, his testimony today to Congress, where he was basically getting drilled about what is the Fed going to do to fight inflation, to get it going down and cooling down closer to that 2% that they want, which doesn't look like it's coming anytime soon. No, probably not until 2025. We got some uh, reports coming out on consumer debt. We got all kinds of stuff that we're going to be digging into today. So before we jump in, if you are new to the show, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Whether you are watching this on YouTube, subscribe to the channel or to the podcast. And if you enjoy the show, all we ask is that you share this with a friend, a family member, somebody that you think can get value by participating in these kind of money conversations. 
And if you leave a review on iTunes, you get entered into winning a $100 gift card. We also have all kinds of great stuff for you guys at the MillionaireMindcast.com store. And for those of you who have an investment portfolio and you haven't taken advantage of what Ryan and his amazing team do for you, if you text in the word X-ray, you can see that there on the screen to 844-447-1555. What will they get when they reach out to you? We will. And me and my team will go through your current holdings. We'll do a fee analysis, a performance analysis of what you're kind of currently doing, what that would look like in the long run, and then maybe some suggestions on what we could do to improve that. Awesome. And for my accredited investors that want to get on my deals list to get investment opportunities right into your inbox that me and my team are investing in that we're looking at, uh, you can text the word the deals 844-447-1555. With that being said, let's just jump right into Papa Pal. Let's do it. Oh man, what a rough day. He was uh, he was dragging dragging my people over the coals today. And ultimately, he has been thinking and they've been talking about in terms of what the Fed's been doing with interest rate hikes, Yep, that this is going to find a way to continue disinflation in all the right areas, specifically in housing, being a big part of what's making up that hot shelter, inflation Shelter number. data is making up the majority of the hot data, yep. And so... And service sector as well. Service sector. Mm-hmm. And so what we're seeing now is as more data comes out, it's not cooling as quickly as they would like. What is happening was the data was coming out and we were getting month over month revisions down. Remember, I was telling you the data keeps get revised, keeps getting revised down, the data keeps getting revised down, so on and so forth. It then started getting revised up. And so that meant that the inflation items that were being calculated had made it hot again. And so that started stoking the fears of people of higher rates for longer. And that was towards the end of January, beginning of February. And then essentially what we had after that was um, we had a couple Fed people come out and be pretty hawkish. We had some come out and be a little bit dovish. But ultimately, the data that's been cooked in now, all the books have been revised up. So that's why the Fed's saying, hey, if we don't get data that's telling us that we're, we're, you know, maybe we had a little bump and it's coming back down, we're going to have to get higher and hotter for longer. And I think that was... The pullback over the past few days is not unexpected. The Dow and the market have been up, I think, for the past four days in a row. So one-day pullback in the market, people do not have the Fed figured out uh, just based on a one-day pullback. Well, yeah. I mean, it seems like their, 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 their headlines and their stance on what data is coming out is changing daily as well. So, Tone, you news. can pull this up on the screen. Today in Jerome Powell's testimony... He said that there is little sign of disinflation thus far in the category of core services, excluding housing. Obviously, with what they're doing in the interest rate hikes, inventory is still very low, which we'll get an update on, on that here in a, in a minute. But demand is still relatively holding strong. Values aren't dropping as significantly as they thought they were going to. And therefore, he's saying, you know, except for housing, which accounts for more than half of core consumer expenditures... To restore price stability, we will need to lower, see lower inflation in these sectors, and there will likely be some softening in the labor market conditions as a result of that. Meaning higher unemployment. But the latest economic data having come in much stronger than expected, which suggests that the ultimate level of interest rates is likely to be higher than previously anticipated. So if you see this here on the screen today, as of today, it has jumped up 
from what it was yesterday, which was 36%, 32%, all the way up to 66%. Last week, we were talking about, you guys may not see, you know, a 50 bit, bit races or 50 bips uh, rate hike. But that being said, it's possible. It's on the table. Mm-hmm. Well, now it seems a lot more likely with potentially a 66% chance that that's going to happen. I think if the CPI data and the jobs data comes in as it's needed to better or good or better than expected, I think we could that could also pull back down to that level. And what they might do is if the job with the data does come in, I think what they'll do is they'll raise by a quarter of a percent, but they'll keep the 50 basis point hike in for the May meeting. Um, I'm still thinking that July is probably going to be the pivot point now because I was thinking about March, you know, I said about six months from the bottom of a from November, if we kind of push that out, that looks about May. Probably because the data was a little hotter than expected, we might have to push that towards July because we need the interest rates to kind of bake in. But people, the sell-off today was just people, or yeah, today, was people just repositioning um, essentially for the higher than expected interest rates. Um, we saw uh, mega cap names and large cap names mainly get hit. But the thing that was interesting was like, NVIDIA, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, names of that sort were actually not doing as bad. And some ended in the green. Mm. Um, you also had Dick's Sporting Goods have a really positive day. I think they were up about 10% today on uh, better than expected earnings. And then they doubled their dividend rate because that means that people are kind of shopping. So that's that services sector that's still doing very well. Um, the no landing scenario, I think, is the most likely now. Not a hard, not a soft, somewhere in the middle where the market kind of doesn't go up very fast or very sharply, kind of like we saw in 2020 with that V-shaped recovery, but slowly inches through. And we have then a stickier than expected inflation that maybe still peels off, but peels off at a slower rate than people are anticipating. Um, the fun part is we get to make estimates off the stuff we know today. And kind of like if you were making a bet, you know, hey, we're at 32% likelihood. Do you think we'll be at 66 tomorrow? People would probably have laughed at that. Um, but that's how fast things can change. So I think we have an opportunity to get the data in that we need CPI being the main one um, coming down or at a level that was expected in order for us to maintain that 25 basis point hike. Um, if there's a 66% chance of a 20, uh, uh, 50 basis point hike, that means there's still a 36% chance of a 25 basis point Mm -hmm. hike, which yesterday, everybody that was in the face 50 basis point camp would have died on the 32 basis point hill. So I still think that the 25 basis point is in play, but the data that needs to come in has to be in line or better than expectations. Which really the data is coming in over the course of the next 10 days, days, right? And we have about a five day lag between the data coming in and the Fed having five days to digest that, probably have meetings in private. I'm not sure exactly what they do, right? It's not like the Wizard of Oz or anything, but uh, have their meetings um, meet and then make the decision on the rate hike. My anticipation, like I said, is if the data comes in at par or better and it brings that likelihood back down, Mm -hmm. we probably would get a 25 basis point hike so that they cannot shock the market. Because I think it would shock the market a lot. Even if people are repositioning for today, there'll still be a pullback um, on that day. But I do think they'll still keep the 50 basis point hike on for May and say, if that, you know, we don't want to just say one and done, we need to see another set of good data. And then we'll be anticipating for the May data. The May data comes in good as well. Then likely what they'll say is we might 
pause. Hey, we're going to raise this one more time, 25 basis point and pause. And that would put the Fed at five to five and a quarter. And I think if they held at that rate um, through mid fall, like I was saying, the October time, I think that would give them opportunity to cut in November and even potentially in the December meeting as well. Well, and he also noted kind of to your point, if keyword, if the totality of the data, which we're talking about is coming out, you know, over the course of the next 10 days or so, and obviously they're going to aggregate and take into account everything that they're getting access to. If the totality of the data were to indicate that faster tightening is warranted, we would be prepared to increase the pace of rate hikes. Yeah, we would be prepared. So I just think they're just... I don't. Th- I think if the reaction was going to be more so um, a, a knee-jerk reaction today, we would have saw a pullback, maybe in the two and a half to three plus percent range, maybe up to four percent on like the Nasdaq, because higher interest rates are going to hurt tech companies the most. Right? They're very much a low interest rate, cheap money. That's how they grow so fast. Um, we saw a pullback, no doubt, but I think it's more of a repositioning because all the major indexes ended down around one percent. Um, we did see, I believe, the Dow break below its five, a 50-day moving average and its 100-day moving average also. Um, but the S&P held and is holding above its 200-day. And the 10-year yield, which in my opinion is more, the most important um, yield indicator for me for long-term investing and to indicate how healthy the yield curve can be at the far end, not the super short end. I look at the 10s and the 30s. I think that the um, Oh, now that I think the the ten year went up to four percent and bounced off of it and went back down. So even though the short term debt is going up right now, I don't see that being as bad as a news as it somewhat may indicate. And I think there is. I think I heard somebody say there's a lot of armchair economists out right, out there right now giving a lot of opinions based on what's happened in the past. But we've never had what's happening in the current. Happened in the past, yep. so a lot of it is is best guessing, and I'm trying to keep up with it as well. You know, I've never lived through this type of market cycle. I've never gone through a market cycle like this in my career, so I'm also making uh, best guesses, best educated guesses. But I still think that there's a there's a bull case in there. Something to note based on that 200 day moving average is that we did, and we us bulls have held above the uh, 200 day moving average on the S and P for over 30 days, and we've tested it twice. Um, there has never been a time ever since data has been collected that we've then retraced or gone back into bear territory um, on the S&P. Uh, as I've reminded people a lot of times, a lot of the um, beginning cycles of a bull market are very volatile because people are trying to figure out where to go and where to reposition to. And if you throw in inflation right now and interest rate hikes, that's going to make it extra spicy. I think we still have some time before we get out of the chop. Um, but we're probably going to trade in a consolidated zone somewhere between the 38 to 4100s on the S&P for the next few months. That gives you time to purchase in dollar cost average and keep your balance averaging down for the opportunity, I believe, that we have at the end of the year to have a good rally. In terms of... If everything holds up good. <laughs> consumer spending has been very, very strong. Very strong, which is like good, bad. Well, and this is kind of to accompany some data that I'm I'm curious to get your thoughts on is, you know, credit card debt. At the end of 2022, credit card debt hit a record $930.6 billion. It came in $10 billion lower than expectations today. And consumer credit did. 
Okay. And so it was that, that, that number was an 18.5% spike from a year earlier. And average credit card balance rose to, let's say, $6,000. This is a report according to um, TransUnion. Mm-hmm. And so with 60%, this, this is kind of crazy. Americans, 60% of Americans living paycheck to paycheck. Even as the cost of living remains high, the number of Americans living paycheck to paycheck fell to 60% in January, according to a recent report. And that was down from 64% of Americans living paycheck to paycheck. So are we just becoming more accustomed to living paycheck to paycheck and living with this cost of inflation? And how does that really impact Main Street? And what is the, you know, what what should investors be paying attention to as a result of that? Mm, There's a lot of good ones in there. Because I feel like there's a lot of people that I don't know a lot of people living paycheck to paycheck. I'm for sure not. I know you're not. Right, but macaroni we're, Tony's over we're here not also probably in waffles. the. We don't make up the the majority of that data set. No, but we also know a lot of people. I I would challenge. Does anybody out? I mean, I don't know if anybody watching this right now knows anybody living paycheck to paycheck. I would. I would be highly surprised. Um, my, for example, my sister and her husband, they would fall into that category. They just had a child. They are not living paycheck to paycheck. My sister is at home on maternity leave. Or pater- is it maternity? Maternity for the women. Yes. Sorry, I breed well, no kids. Um, and the, her husband is in the military, so it makes a good living, but is not making the most money in the whole world. They're doing, they're doing fine. They live in North Carolina. Um, I have tons of clients that are in the lower, middle, middle class income range, all of them still putting money in their investment accounts. I think the definition of paycheck to paycheck has to kind of be looked at as well because it holds kind of a negative connotation. But if you think about it, if I made $10,000 a month and $4,000 is my uh, living expense and then I got another $1,000 for cars and then I'm putting... you know. $4,000 a month into investments and $1,000 into the bank. I've spent all my paycheck. So I have nothing left for my paycheck to spend. But what did I spend it on? Right. Yeah. So it could that, be relative in terms of the definition. Exactly. So it's also it, what, are, what are people spending their money on? And I would say the stuff that people are spending their money on are groceries and fuel and energy, which is going down. So not like frivolous things. And um, that's where I think we have a big differentiator from past market cycles is I think. The one thing that COVID made people good at is being want able to spend through like a blizzard. I don't think it's going to slow down consumers. And I think people are just going to continue to spend uh, through high inflation and just let the, the clock tick itself out. I think the... And if you pull this up real quick on the screen tone, I think what this go around and, and TransUnion, this is a full TransUnion report that kind of shows the breakdown here of you know Q4 of 2021 to Q4 of 2022 in terms of credit card debt. This is the saving grace, is the fact that people have equity in their homes. Correct. Unlike the last financial tightening or, or crisis in the economy. What I think is going to be interesting to pay attention to is obviously this number is significantly continuing to to increase, but again, you know we're absorbing a lot of January first, twenty twenty two. Prior to the invasion of Russia, CPI was at seven point five. 
So that's really not that big of an increase if you actually do the cost of goods and services. And that's just policy error from the current administration. So not that I'm saying the prior administration was good, but are great, but policy was much better in the current administration. A lot of the inflation stuff we're dealing with is policy error. Yeah. It's really not a ton of anything else besides policy error. Um, because if interest rate hikes were to curb inflation as good as they're supposed to, then it would be working better than it is. It's just policy error. And we're sending a shitload of money to Ukraine. Not that I don't think we should help out people when we should help them out, even if they're good or bad, you know? I mean, it's, it's the classic it's, it's just, industrial it's, war complex of... Yeah. And then it's just, it's, it's any, it's the problem with the current administration, in my opinion, is it's anything for votes and at any cost. And the cost that they're willing to, to do is they've brainwashed their party members so much into thinking that what they're doing is working and blaming stuff on other people. And that causes policy error and policy error breaks into the economy and then everybody feels it. And so I don't think if you ask anybody if the current administration's policy is working and they have any idea of what they're talking about, if they're not going to be partisan, they would tell you yes. Because it's not. It's not working. And the, the errors that are being felt in the economy right now, in my opinion, are policy errors. And those policy errors are led through to the Fed where they're raising interest rates in an environment where we may not have had to do so. So um, the thing that's really funny is people keep talking about like real estate and now real estate is the first thing that falls and then the then we go into recession. It's just not going to happen. I'm not a big real... I don't have a ton of money in real estate. I'm just telling you that right now. I have a fair amount of money in real estate, but it's not my backbone. But it, most of my it, money in real it, estate and it ain't going down the way people think it's going to no, be going down. We would have to... In 2008, just to remind everybody, we had a excess of inventory with nobody to buy it. We now have inventory continuously going down and down and down. It's squeezing tighter and tighter. It's down more than 50% year over year, I believe, if my, my guess is correct. And people are buying more of it. And we, the data says it. So I just don't, I don't get caught up in the headline news or get caught up in what they say is going to happen. Because if you, were, if you were betting over the past four days, you'd put all your money on green and then today it's red. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, the way you're looking at inventory right now is spot on. It's, it's 48.8% still down compared to the same week in 2019. It cannot, it statistically, it cannot And over happen. the last handful of weeks, it's continued to tighten up and decrease even more. So, And mortgage rates are at 6.85, I believe, as, an, as a national average in a 30-year fixed rate. And it's like 6.35 on a, on a jumbo product. And people don't care because you want to know why? They saw what real estate did over the past few years. And one thing that's indicative of, of interest rates being high is they make physical, real assets appreciate faster, period. It's just a fact. Um, not necessarily gold, right? But businesses, cash flowing businesses, real estate in, in desirous areas. And then you bake into the fact 2020 when people figured out that they don't want to get stuck somewhere that sucks. Pending home sales are up 8.1%. Shocker. Month Didn't even month. know that. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's all in the leading economic data, which is what the Fed should be looking at to make policy. The Case-Shiller Price Index. Go ask any broker if housing prices are going up. False. They're actually not. The data may say it is, but they're really not. 
my house, my house value is down probably 300,000 from its peak a few months back. It's not going up by 8% month over month. That's just not happening. Just new home sales are recording because people are buying houses. That breaks the value up of the house on the tax data, and that's going to bake into the data forward. But go ask any broker. They're not selling houses for more than they were a year ago. No, and, and they have to sell. They're going to sell them for less. But the but what people are smart enough to do is just so cheesy to say. I sound like a freaking you know a resi realtor. Buy the buy the asset, date the rate. But it's honestly, it's a good idea. And you have these three one two one buy down products where you can get a four and a half five and a half percent interest rate with a guaranteed scale up on mm-hmm. a fixed, you know, a fixed product at the end. So you have a, a short term variable to a fixed product step up, and you can refi the damn thing. And your yeah. broker is going to love you because you're not going to refi it for eighteen months. They're not going to get a charge back, and they're going to sell you two loans. They're going to originate you two loans, and they're going to think you're the best thing ever. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast And trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. So that that to me is what's going to happen. Um, and I, one of my clients, um, she's amazing. She's doing thirty five million dollars a month in new loans, not refis, new loans. She's doing thirty million dollars a month. Yeah, I mean, there's there's people that are still very bullish on real estate, and I think it's you know the people that are waiting for the single family market to crash. You know, waiting. I just waiting, don't waiting. I, that, that's why I thought this was an interesting video, and we can pull this up and you know check out the sound. I like Jimmy Rex. I think he's awesome. Puts out good quality content and he's usually pretty spot on. Real talk. Uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the real estate market. I'm going to say some things that no other realtor is saying, but somebody has to say this because we are in trouble. The real estate market is a problem. And if you don't know what's going on, you're going to get slaughtered in the next couple months and years. The latest report just came out. Redfin just put out the report. For the first time since 2012, Real estate had a negative year over year appreciation. It went down 0.6%, which seems like a small number. But if you consider like here in Utah, for example, in Salt Lake County, in May 2022, our peak, we were at $650,000 median home price. At the end of the year, in the end of December, 
it was 495,000. That's a 24% price decrease in almost seven months. And the other thing that nobody's talking about is the affordability crisis that we still have. We are at the lowest number we've been on the affordability, the worst affordability that we've had. And by the way, affordability takes three things into account, wages, interest rates, and average home price. It's the worst it's been since 1985. Remember when your parents talk about those horror stories? Fast, I'm trying to keep up. So, whoa. I think that this is an interesting video, right? Because you're going to see more and more people somewhat pushing this type of fear out there. We know there's going to be a pullback in the market. We've already talked about that. And those were markets that were way overinflated and the people actually realizing or trying to actualize those values in their head mm-hmm. were way out in front of their skis anyways. Their home wasn't worth that much. No. It shouldn't have been worth that much. And so that's a natural correction that had to happen. Now, a lot of the other markets around the country, Utah, right, Phoenix, some of these markets that saw a lot of demand flood into those markets. Can I say something about him specifically too? Sure. Salt Lake City, I don't know if you know, is in a geological crisis that Salt Lake is almost fully dried up. So it's crashing the real estate values there because what is Salt Lake City without a Salt Lake? And it's causing a lot of... uh, You can look this up. It's causing a lot of the... uh, When the salt dries, there's a lot of uh, mercury in there, Mm. in in the lake water, and it's drying up and blowing into the air and causing it to be unhealthy. That's why there's such an aggressive... Just specifically, it's funny, he mentioned that market, Utah. Salt Lake City's market is aggressively correcting because of that simple fact. Sorry about that. I think there's probably multiple variables outside of just that one specific piece. But I think to the point of that, right? It's like, there's going to be markets that are going to see more aggressive pullbacks. But the mm. what we're talking about in terms of the overall economic pull of the housing market is it's not going to crash. You're not going to see. And we've been seeing with Black Knight and their data in terms of you know um, dangerous delinquencies and foreclosures. Those are upticking a little bit. But really, those are still extremely small amounts of data sets that mm-hmm. really are not anything that you can get excited or concerned about. So in terms of the Fed continue to rate, you know, increase rates, but the fact that inventory is still, the supply is still so constricted. People will continue to buy. And you're going to get people continuing to buy through this process. You're you're just not going to see insane amounts of discounts, at least in my opinion, on the single family side from a retail perspective. There will be investment opportunities that trickle out. There will be distress and fractures in the foundation of the market and mm-hmm. in certain you know cities and states. But if you're if you're looking for this mass wave of foreclosures to come, this mass wave of zombies, you know, zombie foreclosures to trickle out, this mass wave of short sales to trickle out, you just, you just it's not coming. Mm-hmm. The commercial sector is where I'm really interested to see how things continue to play out and what types of opportunities you know start to present themselves based on the fact that we're going to see the underwriting, the analysis from previous years and the blue sky path that we were on continuing to... Zero you cost know, money. That is going to come to a head here in the probably the next 12-ish months. It's very refreshing to know that too, because there's so many people that suck at real estate that have been around and they're going to get caught for doing, you know, not not doing their homework, unfortunately. Um, but that's going to create the op- that's really where the opportunity is going to be is like in multifamily, I think, and and I think a lot of big commercial stuff is going to get repurposed. Yeah. So when he was getting all up in arms about you know the Utah market dropping twenty four percent in 
also what is usually the November, December, January, the biggest price pullback months of any seasonal market. In addition to the fact that we're seeing what the Fed's doing, in addition to the fact that what we're talking about from a macro perspective is a 0.6 decline year over year after a 12 bits. year, you know, value increase bull run. Come on. That's, that's just, it, it's not a relative comparison, mm-hmm. even though that particular state might be seeing some pullback. I guarantee you that that market's still going to do fine as a whole going through. So that being said, we are definitely going to be keeping track of what is happening with inventory. We saw pending home sales, like we said, jump 8.1%. It's still down year over year. But again, we're still seeing transactions happening, inventory that goes on the market getting absorbed by demand into the marketplace, even with the crazy rate hikes that we're seeing. So be patient out there. But if you're also trying to find a great opportunity right now, and you see something that makes sense, even with the high interest rates, and you're thinking that, oh, maybe I'm going to wait six months to put my money in the game, I would second guess that and say, if the number makes sense, and you're investing from a long-term macro perspective, and you can do right either creative buy-down programs in the short term, or you do have the ability to bake in a refi in two, three, four years down the road when rates calm down and things... Five years down. Yeah. I mean, get conservative, right? Push it out as far as you need to and things still make sense today. Keep investing through this type of market cycle. You will not regret it. That's for sure. Yeah. It's the same thing I'm saying Like when people... uh, To put money in your investment accounts, um, if if it's something you have discretionary income for, if you can afford to put the money into the investment account, you should because you're simply buying quality again, but buying quality on discount. And long term, that would... Um, I think I sent you another data piece that shows you the, the you know missing 10 good days in the stock market, the difference in the rates of return for just buying the indexes. And I mean, it's like 4%. It's like 55 to 9.8% for a different for difference on rate of return from the S&P 500 just buying that index. So... Um, yeah, we can see it right here. That in- impact of being out of the market at least these are the returns on the S&P 500. Yeah, this just assumes you bought the S&P 500 as a whole. And I believe the uh, tone, does it say $50,000 invested at the top? 10. Oh, 10,000. Thank you. $10,000 invested at the top. And, and there's all these categories. The one on the far left, I believe, is a 9.8% rate of return. The one in the uh, right to the right of it is what, 54 5.6. 5.6. And what does that say? Missed the 10, the 10 good trading days in the yeah, market. Yeah, missed 10 best days. Next is 20, I believe. And that's 2.9, missed 20 days. Next is 30 days. 30 days, and that's 0.8%. Yep. And then if you keep going, now you're in a negative. So so if you were out of the market for more than 30 days, you're practically in in the red. Correct. Because in those, and in your example... Versus staying fully invested, which we've been talking about, which many people just overlook that. so hard to do because, again, people pick their risk tolerances in bull markets. People make their pro formas when interest rates are at zero. Um, That's where it's hard to be a long-term investor. I do not day trade. We buy and sell, but we buy and sell quarterly or when the market tells us from a technical standpoint. But I'm doing the same thing that I'm telling everybody to do. And I'm making lots of money while I'm doing it. You have to invest in the yield of the company, the quality companies, the stuff that, yes, didn't NVIDIA get down to $140 um, a share? Um, 
Yeah, but now it's back up to 220. Did Tesla get down to $80? Yes, but now it's back up to 150. So you have to just make sure that when you when you buy or sell things, I think I've used the analogy of not treating your investments like a stock uh, a stock machine, a slot machine, where it's like, oh, hey, I'm playing this one. This one's not giving me any free games or any money. I'm going to move to the next one. You don't do that with investments. You make a plan and you at least stick to the plan for five years to see if it can at least pan out the way that you're trying to. That's going to get you through at least a market cycle or two. Um, then beyond that, what you do is when the market's down, if you can, you put more money in because that's when stuff's on sale. Yep. And you reinvest the yield and dividends that you're paid because a lot of the companies are going to, like the exporting goods did today, double or increase their dividends so you can get rewarded for holding your assets. Everybody that started an investment account in 2007, held their investments through 2008, have such a larger account balance today than they even could imagine starting with. And everybody that was fully invested in 2007 that rode through 2008 and kept their money in the market has more money right now through everything we've been through than anybody who got out and tried to time the bottom of the market in 2009. So it's just prudent, like I said, to stay fully invested, keep putting money in your investment accounts. And to Matt's point, same with real estate. When it makes sense, if it pencils out, if you're buying quality, I think that's what it boils down to in real estate and in the the investment world. It doesn't matter if the price fluctuates because it's already going to do that. It just needs to long-term go up. And it will. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Money Moves. If you guys enjoyed that, big shout out to our live viewers here today. Be sure to drop some comments down below. And if you guys have any questions, make sure to either put those in on the live show or text those in to 844-447-1555. And we'll start answering these live on the podcast as well when we're recording on YouTube. If you guys don't mind taking two minutes to leave a review on iTunes, get entered into a $100 gift card, as well as those of you who want to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray, you can text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. Same thing for my credit investors that want to get on my deals list. Text the word deals to that same phone number. And be sure to head over to millionairemindcast.com. We have some cool new freebies, checklists, and products that we're going to be releasing out this next week. Flip calculators, seller financing calculators. Uh, We got the habits and goal tracking checklist. We got the net worth personal financial statement. Uh, that is going to be up and available for you guys as well. So if you're not on my uh, text letter, that's where we're going to be releasing that out to the text letter um, subscribers first before we release it out to the general public. So text the word notes to 844-447-1555 if you want to get notified of those getting out. And that will be available to all of my text letter subscribers. That being said... We appreciate you guys for tuning in today. We'll see you guys in next week's episode. Until then, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Cheers. Cheers, y'all. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Money Moves. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. And if you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you take two minutes and leave a review in iTunes, where by doing so, you're going to get entered into win a $100 gift card. Also, Don't forget to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio. And to do so, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. What we have found by offering this out is most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective or really, in most cases, overcharged and whether or not their current investment and financial plan is actually aligned 
with what they're trying to accomplish. And this is something that Ryan and his amazing team do for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that. Again, that's X-Ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you're an accredited investor and you're not on my deals list, be sure to text the word DEALS to 844-447-1555 to be notified of the private investment offerings my team and I put out. And last, don't forget to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family at MillionaireMindcast.com. Whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, mastermind events, calculators, the Rich Life Planner for those looking to take their goal setting and productivity to the next level, we've got all kinds of great and valuable tools available at MillionaireMindcast.com. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next week's episode, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.